Hi, my name is Bob the Tomato. And I'm Larry the Cucumber. And this is the Nick and Rick podcast. <laughs> yep, exactly. So yeah, um, I feel like I should redo that. Not like oh, actually redo it. My name, I don't know, I everyone, everyone who listens knows that I'm Eric and knows that you're Nick. So I hope they recognize our voices. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, we're kind of assuming that we have no new listeners. That's a so, good point. Yeah. So if if, if you are a new listener, welcome. We apologize. And I'm not we don't mean to just make that assumption and to uh, to just kind of ignore you. We don't. We're we're glad you're here. Wow. But look you at know, you. We look are men of humble so means. Thoughtful. At least we tr- we try to be men of humble means, and <sighs> we uh, we really try to just um just really invoke a spirit of humility. Um, that includes just seeing our podcast as I don't know something lowly. Are you it's like, of humble means. Are you trying to like? Honest. Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> what are you? What are you? Who are you really talking to in this? Who are you really talking to? <laughs> no, J.K. But yeah, I honestly I don't know what episode this is. This is I think it's seventeen. Um, I don't know. Let me let me see what we got going on. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, sweet. I don't know. We're Something, not recording this I'm on Anchor. Worried. My not show is bad, so, but yeah, we are not using. We're Anchor. using cleanfeed.net. Um, but let's see here. I think this is officially going to be episode seventeen. Boom! Look at that prime yeah. number. Nice. Yep, we love that nice. primacy. Mm, yes, the prime. Wow! Look at you. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Wait, that's what it is, right? <laughs> Wait, what? Prime number and primacy, like the primacy of Peter. Mm, no, I don't think that has anything to do with prime numbers. But no, no. no. <laughs> but it is a good intro. To <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Um, today we're going to be talking about, uh, in in the midst of everything else that's going on in, in the United States and the world, to be honest. We're going to be talking yeah. about what Pope Francis said about civil unions and gay marriage a couple weeks ago, sometime yeah. like in early well, October. It popped up because a documentary was released mm, yep. on Pope Francis in which there were some comments about civil unions that he had made in the documentary um, that caused caused some confusion among the faithful and, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's different reactions for sure. Some people mm-hmm. were uh like what the heck? What is Pope Francis doing? Why is he what is he doing? Is he trying to change church doctrine? Like people mm-hmm. freaking out on one side. Other people coming to his defense. There were a bunch of different videos that went out. Some that were talking about the translation from the Spanish, some that were just yeah. like, Look, if if this is what he said and we don't know what he said necessarily until we get clarifying remarks, but if this is what it is, well then let's tell you what the church teaches. Mm-hmm. And then other videos were just like, like straight up crazy. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, that's <laughs> like, who, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know. I didn't see any of those because I don't. I, mean, I don't. Do you follow those Father James Martin? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I said I don't his name. Follow. I uttered the name. I don't follow Father James Martin, well, but I did see the post he made actually. Now that I recall. And so there's there's concerning. a whole a whole giant range giant spectrum of reactions to this. Exactly. Um, what exactly did he say? Well, oh, let me look it up. But yeah, you can go too. Yeah, well, yeah, continue, please. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have it memorized, so I'm glad you're looking it up. Oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> well, he it was it's a documentary. Though, uh, I think it's about the Pope. 
Oh yeah, it was a, it was a documentary that was done on Pope Francis, and a Spanish one, I think, too. Yeah, and it was a Spanish one. From my understanding, the way that these things usually work through the Vatican is that whenever there's a request for some sort of material like this, they record it in full. Mm. They send it. They send the material to whoever, you know, they're working with. Mm-hmm. They edit it, and mm-hmm. then that gets sent back to the Vatican for the Vatican to review it. To review it, okay. and then of some sorts. I don't know if that's like if I don't think I don't know if that's a and then they like you know publish it. Then they approve it or whatever. Yeah, but um, because I do know for this video or this documentary. I think actually this is a this is interviewed for a news like a news station interview. Yeah, and it it's was from last year interview. actually. It was like a very short blurb that blew up, mm-hmm. which is funny because he wasn't like particularly speaking predominantly on this topic in the documentary, but oh, it okay. was of such note that you know people were like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And mm-hmm. I have it you here. Know, a, yeah, so I mean, it felt it was important because because it is because <laughs> it is. I mean, it's an important it, thing going on in the church. The it's, it's about sexuality. It's very important to know it's what's happening in the church today. But uh, yeah, I don't know to fill time. I guess until, until uh, no, I'm just waiting for you, dude. Things. I'm respectfully waiting for you to stop. Oh, talking. go ahead. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. So yeah, so. There's this documentary, and um, at some point in the documentary, he's, uh, Pope Francis says, "This is doc- oh, like I said, a documentary from last year, technically." And um, this part of the, this part of the uh, interview wasn't revealed until fairly recently. But anyway, until the documentary, lol. Um, and then uh, it says Pope Francis is saying, according to this translation from Spanish, I believe, "Homosexual people here I quote: Homosexual people have a right to be in a family. Have the right to be in a family. They are children of God." Francis said, "You can't kick someone out of a family." nor make their life miserable for this. Uh, what we have to have is a civil union law. That way they are legally covered. And so this was just... First step, step zero. Whenever the mainstream media, talk, like non-Catholic media, talks about whatever the Pope's saying, it's probably like a bad presentation. We shouldn't listen to it. We should oh, go yeah. to like step zero. Like it, whether it's like CNN, MSNBC, or even if it's like a more conservative uh, more conservative news media site. Like if it's yeah, like, even if it's like a daily media, wire. Chances are you shouldn't you shouldn't listen to it because it's just not going to be a good understanding because they don't have that Catholic understanding. So step zero, yep. in my opinion. Um, but what what tripped everybody else? What tripped everybody up was um, the second. I think the second sentence, or, or third, I think actually, what we have to have is a civil union law. That way, they're legally covered. And so right now, yeah, and I think that's that's what everyone's saying. So it's like, is everyone saying is uh. Here, the New York Times, their headline is, Pope backed gay civil unions, but didn't change doctrine, Vatican says. You know, so did, did he actually back civil unions? That's what the New York Times says. I don't know. As a Catholic, I don't believe the New York Times because it's not, you know, I don't have to. <laughs> but yeah, I do have New to, York like, Times follow Catholic says, doctrine, so. Yeah. Sorry, it's about to take it political. We're just going to stay away from that. We don't, don't want to. <laughs> they say a lot of things. Yeah, we, we don't want to waste your time right now. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> so, but actually, though, like it's better to get this the, to get this information from either straight from like the Vatican or from like a Catholic, a trustful, trustworthy Catholic media site instead of yes. instead of uh, secular news uh, 
But anyway, so yeah, that was the, um, that's what he said. Initial thoughts. Yeah, so the, obviously the thoughts of many were looking for a broader context, especially because, yeah, you know, the secular media had a field day with this, mm-hmm. thinking that Pope Francis, once again, as they have thought in years past throughout his pontificate, was going to somehow magically out of nowhere change ch- church doctrine on this matter. Mm-hmm. Which and is not how the Catholic Church works. That's just not how the Catholic Church works. Um, because things like this has to be an act of the magisterium, the whole church. Mm-hmm. And I actually did a little research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> that laugh though. No, so <laughs> wow. I'm laughing because this is not a very research show. <laughs> oh, that's okay. not entirely true. We definitely do research. Do this like, kid before you know, it will. You're about to find experts. out. You're about to find out we're the research this kid did. Like, we're not like experts in canon law and stuff like that. Not so you know, I can't speak authoritatively in any means. I'm not that much of a nerd. But you know what? We know you're not here for that. <laughs> You're here because you love Eric and I. Oh, thanks. Um, and uh, anyways, so yeah, obviously, the I'd say like, yeah, the first reaction of many reactions from, not me personally, but just from, I think, the general out, at large world was, mm-hmm. is Pope Francis going to change church doctrine? Mm-hmm. And like, how, how does this happen? Well, first of all, we know that, yeah, like we said, like, he can't. He mm-hmm. can't just go and change church doctrine like that. Um, but it also, like, was bringing up the question of papal infallibility, which is this thing that gets thrown around a lot, and I feel like a lot of people don't actually know what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went and we did a little research so that we could touch on both of these. Mm-hmm. And so I went to, obviously, Catholic Answers mm-hmm. because they're great apologists and try to find some answers for us. And essentially, the gist that I got from t- the two videos I watched, one with Scott Hahn and one with Tim Staples, is that scripturally, there's a lot that obviously touches on the Pope and the office of the Pope and it's the authority of the Pope. And oftentimes, the question comes up, is the Pope infallible? Mm-hmm. And the doctrine of papal infallibility essentially states that when the Pope is ex cathedra, which literally means on the chair. Mm-hmm. So when he's speaking from the position as Pope, not just as, as, a, when as a person. When he, is, when he is speaking from the position as Pope and not just, yes, his own person. Because yeah. obviously Popes release a lot of different documents mm-hmm. throughout their papacy, um, which all of them have various levels of... Uh, importance and solemnity and i guess officiality yeah mm-hmm. or officialness or whatever the mm-hmm. correct adverb adverb is i don't know mm-hmm. um i'm a little grammared out i'm a little little dusty on all don't the uh, proper grammar that. turns because uh you know you stop caring about that after like freshman year high school um <laughs> okay anyways you just know the rules you can't you can't really teach them <laughs> but or like i guess explain them it's like it's like when you're an engineering student Oof. and you're like taking a calculus, you're taking like, I don't know, you're taking like thermo yeah. and <laughs> your professor is like, oh, this is how it happens. 
and you're like, wait, but why? And your professor is like, oh, I can't tell you why. I can just tell you that this is how it happens. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on here mm -hmm. with my grammar lessons and also just these other things too. But um, anyways, though, no, there's a lot of scriptural evidence of papal infallibility and how it works. And from what I ascertained from these Catholic Answer videos, mm. there's a part in Acts of the, Acts of the Apostles where there's disagreement between all of the apostles, even to the point where Paul and Barnabas, who have been companions for a long time and mm. going to all the churches, have a disagreement among themselves. And then what it says is that they come together in the magisterium and Jesus, through the Holy Spirit in the magisterium of the church, resolves the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but through, but like, it is through Peter because he gave Peter the keys. He mm -hmm. established Peter as, um, like the, you know, the, Peter has the primacy among the apostles. And then also, um, I think Scott it, Hahn says that like this is something that is the fulfillment of like Judaism, as we know, like Christianity, like Christ fulfilled the law, like. Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism and all throughout the history of Judaism like this happens throughout because like the theme with the Pope is that it's not just like a positional thing like it is a covenant yep you know like we are a family the church is a family and there's a covenant between the church and God mm -hmm. and with every covenant in the history of the Old Testament there is always a, a patriarchal figure at the head of it and um yeah for the church it is the pope mm -hmm. um and so <clears throat> papal infallibility is yeah is that doctrine that like when the pope is taking his role as the pope as the head of the church um and with the magisterium of the church and the holy spirit like mm -hmm. he especially on matters of uh morals and doctrine he cannot err in his teaching. Mm -hmm. um, and this only happens infallible. when he's speaking ex cathedra on an official doctrine. So yes. like only when he's speaking, not as like his own person, I guess you could say, but more so like as Pope Francis, as head of the church or as Pope St. John Paul II, as head of the church, so on and so forth. And that's exactly. And, and then historically, I think if I'm not mistaken, that, that, that declaration of papal infib in, in, I can't even say it now. People infallibility, infallibility. There it is. Infallibility. infallibility. I think it's only happened twice, like in the entire history of the church. Like the Pope saying, "Hey, I'm speaking from using. I mean, I'm using the papal infallibility card, infallibility card." I think it's only happened twice, and I think yes. it was on uh, the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption, or or uh, no, the Immaculate Conception and something else to do with the Virgin Mary. I think it maybe it's. Uh, like born without sin and remain sinless. Yes, I think yeah, that's, the, no, that's it. It was yeah. It was it was the immaculate conception and it was the assumption. Oh, was yes, that? Was those it those, were, those two? Okay. Two times, yeah. It was those two. And it, those were like those so, were two times where the Pope spoke essentially a new doctrine. Mm -hmm. Um. Everything else. It just goes to show how from, rare that is too. Like exactly. This, this entire I, like every idea. every other church teaching derives from the teachings of Christ, derives from scripture, what we know from scripture mm -hmm. and what we know from 
tradition passed down by the apostles. Mm -hmm, exactly. So everything else derives from that. Just, there's only been yeah, yeah, correct. Like there's only been twice in the history where a new doctrine was brought out from uh, that. Yeah. Obviously from traditions and whatnot, but like mm -hmm. there was nothing definitive that had been and yeah, this is a time where the pope said, mm, "This is this is a doctrine of the church." Um, yeah, and papal infallibility, like, I think also extends to, like, um, obviously, the Pope is a man, and he is a fallible human, mm -hmm. uh, like we all are. Mm -hmm. And papal infallibility, the doctrine of it is not necessarily that the Pope just has this Has this magic, power. like, awesomeness where he, like, can't say yeah. wrong, can't do wrong. No, yes. that's not that's not it at all. No, what it what it what it's saying is that the Pope is guided by the Holy Spirit by the very nature of his office. Um, in the same way that like apostolic succession works, in that like the authority of our bishops doesn't come from the men themselves, and it comes from the the authority of the office that was handed to them by God originally from Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in like a similar way. And so, yeah, it's important. I think it's important for us to lay that basis down first mm -hmm. before we get further into this discussion. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, <laughs> no, but yeah. Uh, so the Pope isn't just like, Let's let's stop freaking out and thinking that this is going to become Catholic doctrine. Like, out of this idea that, oh man, I jumped, I jumped, I jumped the gun quite a bit. That's okay. No, that's uh, okay. <laughs> we can we can always backtrack. This I don't know. Once podcast. bullets are fired, you know, was this what? What? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. Once, well, I mean, bullet was fired, but it didn't hit anything. <laughs> well, I'm about to start hitting some things. No. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, then let's let's backtrack first. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I think we should not expect this to be uh, a thing that gets turned into papal like this like i don't think pope francis is going to pull the papal infallibility card you know i don't think that's going to happen uh, because like yeah. literally it's only happened twice in the entire history of the church as far as i know and it's only yeah. been about the virgin and mary i think i think any fears that it's going to happen um mm. i think shows a lack of faith in the holy spirit and yeah. god's providence no i was thinking about this before when we were like talking like planning it especially out. in such like a great doctrinal thing like mm -hmm. the church what is doctrine the church itself the church is infallible yeah um and so the church will never err in its doctrine and like a pope cannot change that like first and foremost just through the the practical structure of the church um, and the and the practical part aspects of the authority of the Pope and the church that mm -hmm. can happen. But mm -hmm. then also we have to look at the supernatural, like in the divine realm, God will never let the church fall into error. And nor has now he. granted as nor has he exactly. And like granted, you know, there have been times throughout the whole history of the church where it seems as if that is about to happen. What is happening. Mm -hmm. But even at, you know, even like with the heresy of Arianism in uh, what was it like the three hundreds? The, the, yep. the th yeah, in the fourth you know, century, Nicholas. like yeah, in the three hundreds. Like <laughs> even with that, the heresy of Arianism, where ninety percent of the Catholic Church like believed 
a heretical doctrine, mm-hmm. not even then could it be said that the church was an error, mm-hmm. because and it, it wasn't. Was only, Here we are now. It was simply those who were in the church. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was only simply those like fallible people who, yes, are part of the body of the church and they make up the church, but the church as an institution, the church as the bride of Christ, will always be spotless and clean. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't know. And that's I think something that that's something that like Jesus assured. Bringing up the thing about Arianism is, I think, actually kind of relevant today too, because like I think a major minority of people, unfortunately, don't even believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. Oh, but yeah. That, but that doesn't that doesn't make the, that doesn't make the Eucharist not the Eucharist. It's still the body, exactly. blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Just because so just because there's like a misunderstanding of doctrine or even a false teaching of it in some I guess in some way. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that the true doctrine doesn't exist. It's all, it always has existed. And I think also, I was just thinking about it. <laughs> well, how many times can I say thinking one sentence? Um, we say, like, the Pope isn't going to change doctrine, right? Or, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's hard to change doctrine. Like, I don't even think that doctrine has been changed, like, in this idea of, like, oh, let's erase this section. Like, that doesn't really happen. I think what it is more so is that it gets clarified or it gets built upon. Yes. No, I don't know for exactly. certain, but uh, that's what it seems like to me. And that's just, I think that makes the sense if we're going to believe that the Catholic Church is like the true church and like it reveals the truth. Like mm-hmm. the, tr- the truth doesn't get like reversed. We just build upon it and then we just further refine it. Like, yeah, and that makes true. sense with like the teaching of like exactly. abortion and like death or like, like murder or whatever. And like the value of life and stuff like that. That's never like been reversed. It's like, oh, we believe that humans were 90% valuable in 800 AD and now we believe they're 100% valuable like no that's that's not that's not a thing yeah so I don't know mm-hmm. we have to have more no, faith true. in the Holy Spirit and more trust in God that he'll protect his spouse the church and less and let's stop putting our faith in men exactly but to get back to yeah kind of digress because we want to the best of our understanding and ability I'm sure others will come out who are more qualified than us in the <laughs> upcoming days. But, um, yeah, no, this is something that we wanted to talk about because, mm-hmm. like, we think as, as young Catholics, you know, it's important for us to have these conversations with other young Catholics and just, like, mm-hmm. see what people's understandings of things are and, like, if they know or not what's going on and all this. Um, but, yeah, Especially the breakdown. So, as we said, though, you know, we, we read – the original quote that first made headlines. Um, and then there, so that was a few weeks ago when that happened. Mm-hmm. It is currently November 2nd. Um, earlier today, <laughs> on November 2nd, the Vatican finally, after about two or three weeks later, um, released a statement on the matter. Um, but in between then, there was a bunch of different things that happened. Um, and I think the most important ones uh, regard and concern a couple of other Argentinian archbishops. Um, one of them, a current archbishop, and one of them an emeritus archbishop. And they both put in two cents on the Pope's comments. Have both, you know, Pope Francis having previously been. The Archbishop of Buenos Aires and a, and a cardinal in Argentina, 
Um, the Ar the Argentinian bishops know him very well, and um, yeah, one of them, Archbishop Fernandez, who is the current Archbishop of La Plata, Argentina, mm. okay, had made a Facebook post a couple of weeks ago, um, adding more context to what he thought uh, spoke to the Pope's intentions, um, and essentially in that what and and i guess to give context to their familiarity with each other they are good friends and archbishop fernandez make sure yeah fernandez archbishop fernandez um is a good friend and theological advisor of pope francis and so um yes so before we get into again here we go these are the remarks of Pope Francis once again from the documentary in question. He said, quote, what we have to create is a civil union law. That way they're legally covered. Now, the first part from what we had mentioned um, has been clarified that Pope Francis was just merely speaking on. Um, yeah, that people who experience same sex attraction, like in their family life, you know, with their parents and siblings oh, and whatnot, yes. and they're extended family mm -hmm. um yes that they like they they have the right to a family um because they are children of god and like, let's just clarify too they're like, created to be in the con you know and so he was just merely touching that like that at least that part needs to exist in order for um especially youth who you know like young people who um may be like in a familial situation where they would be rejected because of their attractions like he's merely saying that like we need to Treat them with the same love and respect that we would treat anyone else. Yeah, because exactly. they deserve it. Mm -hmm. It's true. They are children of God. And, like they don't deserve it any less. Their dignity is not lessened by this. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is you know this is something that the church has always taught. Like that, that has never been in question by the teachings of the church. Mm -hmm. um, and so, just to clarify though, like when he says they have the right to a family, he doesn't mean like they have the right to make a family. But the more so that they Correct. have the right to be in a family, which they, by their nature as human beings, technically are in. But they have, you know, with the love and the parental uh, guidance and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but, no, what came into question were comments um, that Pope Francis has made to other journalists and, and in this documentary as well. Um, and what, like, came off as him calling for civil union legislations mm -hmm. um now pope francis to reaffirm pope francis has always upheld throughout his whole pontificate and throughout his whole um yeah his whole life as a as a priest and archbishop like that the definition of marriage is that you know is the sacramental marriage between a man and a woman mm -hmm. um he's always upheld that i don't think that that is in question at all um, but what comes into question and has caused a lot of this gray area, yeah, is like, as it's been described as like this apparent call for civil union legislation in which, um, you know, secular governments put laws into place in which people, including those who experience same sex attractions would be able to have a legal union that would protect them um in certain ways just with assets and stuff like that and yeah like financially um, essentially rights. yeah and financially and whatnot um 
and I know that is a very common theme that is brought up when people argue the position of the church, especially against, um, yeah, gay marriage and, and, and whatnot, like mm-hmm. that they deserve these protections and without getting into that. And I feel like um, I, I do want to talk about like, what do we mean by protection? And because usually when we're talking about protection in this case, like we said, it's an economic thing. And what it means is, at least from my understanding, and I'm pretty sure at least in the United States, it means that you can, you know, on your tax, on your tax return or whatever, circle the filed married jointly or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're, so we're not talking about like, we're not talking about like persecution and killing them. That's not, that's not what this yeah. means by like protections. What this means is we're like you receive like that type of benefit. Economic. Tax benefit. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about economic benefits and uh, the most recent statement from the Vatican, like clarified that that's what he was speaking to. Mm-hmm. was just like in terms of economic developments and whatnot in countries mm-hmm. um, and other things is that, and and that was like a part of what he was speaking to um Mm -hmm. but to yeah to get back to a post that archbishop fernandez had made um what he said was that yeah there's there there had been a, a question like a question came up over whether or not the proper translation from spanish to English was a civil union um, yeah. because that has like, like a civil union has come to mean like the same thing as a civil marriage, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, like a civil union is used to define like a legal union that is not a legal marriage, but is still a legally in the eyes of the state. Mm-hmm. Like there's a particular, um, I guess like commitment, uh, that these, that two people are entering, um, yeah in, exactly yeah in some obviously some sort of romantic way as part of it um yeah but socially that's what's this argentinian archbishop like some of, yeah because some of the original confusion was over the translation he said that it was a correct translation um mm-hmm. and he also said uh yeah that he means like yeah that it was a civil union uh Let's see, because, ah, yes, the, so, oh my goodness, there's like so much that has gone into this, but what had happened was a, one of the priests from the CFRs in New York, uh, Father Augustino Torres, awesome dude, he made Mm -hmm. a video saying how he believes, yeah, that it was a misquote and a misinterpretation Mm -hmm. and that like the media translated it as civil union um, and that it was better translated as law of civil convivience or civil coexistence mm-hmm. which to which father Augustino said that pope francis would be talking about some kind of legal protection um he didn't specify the sorts of legal protections because it wasn't known at the time um but he said um that father father Augustino said that it wouldn't mean a homosexual civil union and then um Archbishop Fernandez La Plata said that it connotes a civil union as the term is commonly understood, which is, uh, you know, the equivalence of a civil marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the contrary to what the CFR said. Correct. And then Archbishop Fernandez said that before he was Pope, when he was still Cardinal Bergoglio, he always recognized that um, without calling it marriage, because he's always, you know, Pope Francis has always upheld that marriage mm-hmm. is a strict definition of a man, a man and a woman, and a woman. Mm-hmm. in 
a sacramental marriage mm-hmm. or even just in, ma- in a marriage in general. Um, but apparently this archbishop said that, um, that Cardinal Bergoglio at the time, um, before he was Pope Francis, um, always recognized that there were close unions between people of the same sex um, with this caveat that it didn't imply sexual relations, but that it implied a intense, as he called it, quote, a very intense and stable alliance. Oof. Um, That's nice and vague. <laughs> Just going to say yeah. it. <laughs> Which is very vague as well. Yeah. Um, and in my personal opinion, a bit naive to assume that mm. anyone entering into this sort of civil union, what regardless of their attractions, um, I think it would be a little naive to uh, assume that sexual relations would not be involved, in my personal opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's like few exceptions, but that's very, I think few, there's very, far very, very, very few exceptions. But yeah. regardless, but for the most part, like this is going to be used for, you know, this is going to be used. Yeah. For and of marriage. course, like, you know, that aside, like the media is going to have a field day with this, of course, but that's not what we're here to speak to. <laughs> you know, we just like, like the problem is that this, this still is not lined up with Catholic church, church teaching. Yeah. Um, even if it is just sort of, um, in a way, and I guess to get back to, yeah, to the official Vatican statement from today, um, the apostolic nuncio, who is the secretary of state for the Vatican, you know, gave, gave the statement, um, and said that, uh, and he gave, gave the statement, uh, today, which, you know, um, the Apostolic Nuncio Archbishop Coppolo was, you know, clarifying the remarks um, in a official capacity um, because they asked the papal representatives to share with the bishops the clarifications regarding the comments on civil unions, um, in which the Nuncio said that the content of his post was provided to the secretary or provided by the secretary of state to give to the apostolic nunciatures in order to be shared with all of the bishops, um, in which he quote, the post said, quote, the father had expressed himself thus during an interview in 2014 marriages between a man and a woman, Mm -hmm. the secular states want to justify civil unions to regulate various situations of coexistence moved by the demand to regulate economic aspects between people, such as ensuring healthcare. These are coexistence packs of a different nature of which I would not be able to give a list of the different forms. It is necessary to see the various cases and evaluate them in their variety. Therefore, it is evident that Pope Francis has referred to certain state provisions, certainly not to the doctrine of the church, reaffirmed numerous times over the years, which is true. Pope Francis has reaffirmed numerous times over the years that the definition of marriage is between a man and a woman and that any attempt to call anything else marriage is, he has quite frankly said, the work of the devil, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, which is true because it is not from God and it is a front to god's creation and this isn't just for certain attractions it's for any attraction um outside of marriage yeah yeah i mean it's born of it's lust. sinful so yeah it is it's sinful it's lust so it's evil and we should hate it but <laughs> um obviously not the people involved mm-hmm. um 
Yes. And so I think with all those, with all of those different contexts put into place, mm-hmm. what it comes off to, this, this is me, I guess, making like my understanding of the whole situation mm-hmm. is that Pope Francis is again, reaffirming what marriage is. But he's saying that relationships that would not just naturally fall into the category of marriage. He's mm-hmm. essentially saying that, at least in the secular sphere, he's saying, you know, if the secular realm is finding ways to define this, you know, we need to look at it and may possibly be accepting of it. I guess tolerant of it would be. Yeah, he straight up advocated for civil unions. Is what actually I mean, happened. Yeah, like it, like it come to me. It comes off as him advocating for civil unions, and not necessarily like in a doctrinal way, but in a political way, which I don't think yes. should be done. In my Especially opinion. because civil unions directly contradict marriage, the teachings of the church, regardless of the attractions involved. Again, mm-hmm. we are not just trying to focus on just like homosexual yeah no like uh, even if it's like a heterosexual heterosexual, but like but yeah on homosexual relationships same-sex relationships versus opposite-sex relationships like we are not trying to you know we're talking about all of them because like it's very clear in church teaching that that marriage sacramental marriage between a man and a woman Mm -hmm. is the natural order Mm mm-hmm and a marriage is supposed to be binding and like until death do you part that's not the case for a civil union and that's a big thing and that's a huge thing. Um, and the other thing I found interesting was just because it was, I don't know, it was all kind of providential as we were playing this podcast. Yeah. Because we were talking about this and, you know, wanting to touch touch on these comments from Pope Francis and all the comments from the other people who have put their two cents in, you know, with what I would call um, some sort of authority on the situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, from archbishops who know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of of course, from an official statement from, you know, the Vatican Secretary of State. That uh, carries a lot of weight with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting because today, for the Culture Project, I had to read sections of John Paul II's Apostolic Exhortation, um, Familiaris Consortio. I'm pretty sure is how... You pronounce that. And so, but before, can you just give some like context into this? So, like, so this is a statement from John Paul II that I wouldn't say directly and intentionally and in a stingy way contradicts what Pope Francis is saying, but gives context to the importance of why we're hesitant to accept what he said. Exactly. Not not because we hate gay people, not because we hate civil unions, but more so because. Yeah, what, not because we hate the people who aren't married too. You know, tries even if to they're replace. just like, yeah, and so yeah. So John Paul II, of course, you know, wrote theology of the body. Was heavily involved in the Second Vatican Council, where they laid down and reaffirmed um, the teachings of the Church and built upon um, explanations of the importance of marriage in the family. And so John Paul II. In his papacy wrote this apostolic exhortation familiaris consortio um and so uh for those of you who do not know what an apostolic exhortation is like we had mentioned before when we were talking about papal infallibility like there's different there's different degrees of importance and whatnot when when popes um have their writings and so like at the very top is what is called an apostolic constitution and that can either be released as 
a papal bull or a motu proprio, um, which just means that it is like an official act. Um, or it's like, yeah, it's an, it's an, it's a document issued by the Pope on his own initiative and personally signed by him. And, um, it can be like addressed to the whole church, to part of the church or to individuals. And essentially it's, uh, like a legal effect. Yeah. There's a legal effect involved, um, uh, in terms of canon law and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and it kind of has to do with just like, I don't know, it, there's a whole bunch of different things that have been multi propios and whatnot, and papal bulls, but those are like the most important ones. And then you mm -hmm. have encyclicals. Um, and then third in importance is an apostolic exhortation, in which they're just kind of touching on some sort of virtue, usually, or something of the sorts. Um, and so in this one, familiaris consortio, um, it is on the role of the Christian family in the modern world. Um, highly recommend reading this document. It's a, it'll take a, you know, probably a good hour to read it or so. Um, okay, not bad. it is in, in no means a short document. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is very beautiful. Um, as nice. everything that John so Paul II wrote. by Pope John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, and it's called what again? It is called Familiaris Consortio. Nice. Um, cool. Yeah. Basically on on the marriage and the family in the modern world mm -hmm. is what he's trying to touch on. Um, yeah. And in the last section of it, he talks about um, pastoral care of the family in difficult cases. Nice. Um, in which he essentially is just like giving priests and bishops especially like especially the clergy but really everyone he's kind of laying out like what needs to be done in yeah difficult cases of family and of marriage mm -hmm. um and like what priest what needs to be done by priests in their pastoral role um and in one of the sections he talks about pastoral action in certain irregular situations and what he means by irregular is um essentially like situations of marriage or some sort of union mm -hmm. um, that are not a proper sacramental marriage with a, okay. you know, with a nuclear family, like, you know, mm -hmm. with, with a man and a woman in a sacramental marriage with a family. Um, in one of them, he, one subsection, he touches on de facto free unions, which I think in a way has kind of morphed into civil unions. Um, yeah, it's without, but he, but without he, bond. Yeah, exactly. Like there's no sort of recognized institutional bond, mm -hmm. whether that be civil or religious. Um, he talks about like how in the modern world, and this was like in 1980, so it's mm -hmm. probably even crazier now, but he's just talking about how it's becoming more popular because of like economic difficulties or cultural situations and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, in which like there would be certain disadvantages, um, if they had, if, you know, those involved, if the, if, well, he's really talking about a man and a woman. Um, if a man and a woman were to contract a regular marriage, there would be some sort of harm to them, whether it was like economic or discriminatory from their families and whatnot. Um, or he also talks about how, you know, people kind of just like 
will do this just because they hate the institution of marriage um yeah, and the exactly. family and just like the political order of it and whatnot mm-hmm. it's and not, so it's not fashionable to and he says that they may yeah you know he says like they also may be solely just seeking pleasure you know they just may be like living a life of lust mm-hmm. and this is why they do it and what he means by yeah like de facto free union is essentially just when a man and a woman uh, are living together and they're having you know they're they're fornicating and mm-hmm. um what he says is that like there is he says that there's a duty for public authorities to make sure that individuals are socially protected so mm-hmm. that men and women are protected to be able to be married um so the end goal is still marriage that, yeah, he says that the end goal in all of these, yeah, throughout all of these situations um, that do not involve divorce because that's a whole different thing. thing yeah. Uh, but when he's just talking about, yeah, like unions between men and women um, that aren't a sacramental marriage, he's mm-hmm. saying like the end goal is to norm was as how to orient he, them towards marriage. how he says it yeah, yeah. sacramental like, marriage is between to a man orient and them towards marriage mm-hmm. um and to help them to understand the importance of marriage like that is the role of priests and whatnot in marriage prep and like mm-hmm. he touches more you know of course how to do it in a, in in a more practical way but here he's just saying like for each of these like you have to yeah that like right straight up he says right here that like public authorities have to ensure that like public opinion is not led to undervalue the institutional importance of marriage and the family mm-hmm. um and that like for those who are in poverty or in other like situations like there has to be things put in place socially and economically to ensure that mm-hmm. legitimate marriage is favored and i think this is the contrast that we're looking for or yeah i think this is the contrast that we're looking for is that we're not we're not called to make concessions with our faith and with the truth that and the goodness of our truth that which is what people need but rather we're supposed to be active to bring that goodness it back into society and so we shouldn't compromise what what it sounds like and what i gather from what pope saint Saint john paul ii is saying is that we shouldn't compromise just because of hardships and stuff like that the sacramental marriage between a man and a woman we, you know, we shouldn't have like, oh, here's a civil union for you because you're in situation X. Rather, mm-hmm. it should be made easier for those people who have those hard uh, situations to enter into that marriage. Yeah. Assuming it's, you know, a man and a woman in Sacramento and they know what they're doing and stuff like that. But, um, and so, yeah, I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what I gathered from that is that we shouldn't yeah. be, we shouldn't be tolerating like, oh, this is like their version of marriage or whatever. Oh, because it's hard for them. They're going to get a watered down version because that's not God didn't exactly. come down. That, yeah, exactly. God didn't come here to like yeah. give us like watered down versions of himself to different people depending on their social status. That's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that touches on like Pope Francis's concerns of like people having these protections. Like there just needs to be laws put in place. We're just like people have these protections, you know, outside of marriage. Like if there are like certain protections in our country that only exist because people are getting married, like essentially the Catholic point of view is to be like, all right, cool. How do we give this to people without them having to be, you know, first of all, that would give them some sort of economic benefit, obviously. Um, Like what can we do to help other people? But, but something that still upholds the sanctity and importance of 
marriage and the family. Mm -hmm. And the way to do it is not to have civil marriages, not to have civil unions and all Mm -hmm. these other legal things that are, you know, legal forms of union because that only waters that down. And actually, that's what I want to touch on next too, because the next part, Mm -hmm. the next subsection, he talks about Catholics in civil marriages. And yeah, at the time he was touching on how, you know, there's an increasing number of Catholics who, again, like a lot of them for practical reasons or a lot of them for social reasons, you know, ideological reasons, yeah. like they didn't agree with the teaching of the church. You know, they maybe they they say they're Catholic, but, you know, essentially what they would do is they would enter into a, a civil marriage and they would reject or put off a religious marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says he starts by saying that you cannot liken a civil union, a civil marriage um, to that of people simply living together without a bond because like there's a certain commitment in this civil marriage, which is a, I don't know. Okay, anyways, sorry. That would, that would be a tangent that would lead us off topic. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah. And so what he says here though, is that, yeah, sure. He says he, he um, gives, you know, he, he speaks to the fact that, yeah, there's a certain level of commitment to a properly defined and probably stable state of life. And then he, of course, concedes that there is the possibility of a future, there there could be a possibility of a future divorce present in the minds of those entering a civil marriage. Um, But what he is saying is that like by seeking public recognition on part of the state of their bond, the couples, what they are speaking is that they're ready to not, or they are ready to accept not only the advantages of marriage but the obligations mm-hmm. and then he says nevertheless not even this situation is acceptable to the church so right here like john paul ii has said that civil marriages are not lined up with church teaching yeah um in as much as those who you know if a man and a woman are entering a civil marriage um in as much as they are like refusing to get a sacramental marriage um mm-hmm and so, yeah, again, he says, though, that, like, the aim is to, yeah, the aim is to, is to walk with them and, like, get them to understand uh, the importance of the marriage. Greatest, and, importance as of he says, to, regular, to regularize their situation in the light of Christian principles. In the light of Christian principles, which is Christ, yes. Christian principles, which is the big thing. Yeah, so and that is the big so thing. We're so we're not normalizing ourselves to so the church, sin, or, or you know exactly. I mean? We're not normalizing ourselves to disorder. We're not. Rather, we're taking them and we're bringing them back into that which is good and that which is true, that which is beautiful, which is sacramental yes. marriage between a man and a woman. So yeah, and and yeah, and I guess that's like part of what is causing so much confusion about the potential of you know Pope Francis advocating for civil unions particularly for yeah for people who do experience same-sex attractions is that the 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 problem is that they are not able to regularize their situation because Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to enter a marriage Mm -hmm. yeah yeah not with that no (laughs) and so yeah so then the question becomes then all right well then you know, what are laws that can be worked around that to ensure that, I guess, people perceive if the if the if the issue truly is 
an economic question mm-hmm. that can be solved. Yeah, for sure. Without conceding to civil unions, without conceding for anyone, honestly, you know, again, regardless of attractions, without conceding to civil unions, like, yeah, like we cannot concede our our faith and 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 guise it as pastoral care when it mm-hmm. is like contrary to Christian principle. Mm-hmm. But you know, all that being said, uh, I feel like the matter still hasn't been cleared up. No, and I think so, that's that's what that's where that's what we're left with is like so what is and the, that and this is what, just what we're left do? with. Uh, so what is their pope, what is one with do? the pope saying this and but with the previous popes and you know previous church teaching and current church being, teaching too yeah, saying the otherwise and very I think clear step zero is I guess pray yeah pray for first and foremost that like you can enlighten your own understanding of church teaching because mm-hmm. it is it's important for every Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Reckon, it's, I think it's necessary to, to to not only come to know church teachings, but especially with you know if there are teachings that like you don't understand, you don't comprehend, or you just like don't like you just really can't you know if like you're especially if you're really having a hard time like coming to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still nevertheless important that we pray that we do because if we're truly going to proclaim that we're Catholic, like we have to stand for everything that the church teaches because because to be quite frank it's true like mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can go over that and i think we have the one like, true why faith it's true. And, but yeah. yeah i mean we've like we've talked about this in previous podcasts um but you know it, it, it comes down to us to like to use prayer in order to do that and mm-hmm. not the, the other way around not to pray for the church to change its teachings and whatnot but yeah, it's mm-hmm. really for us to like humble ourselves before God and what he's laid before us. Like like at the end of the day, we have to remember that what the church teaches is divinely inspired. It's not just like these things that over the centuries, you know, all these men have put together and whatnot. No, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Um, that's not how it's worked at all. And that's not how it does work. Mm-hmm. Um, because the church is more than just the laity and the priests and the bishops and the cardinals and the Pope, like the church is the bride of Christ and that can never be changed. And yeah, like we touched on earlier, like nothing. And God will never, let's, let's not put our faith in men. Let's put our faith in God and God will never abandon his spouse. Yeah. He's God. He'd already died and rose from the dead for his spouse. So let's have faith in that. I think, which is, Mm -hmm. I think something that's, kind of missing to be completely honest with people who are like concerned about this which and rightfully so concerned but we just i think we're like we get frustrated and upset like oh why is pope saint francis saying this why isn't there clarity you know this is like it's yeah. so hard to deal with and now we have like mm-hmm. people championing 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 you know the stuff that's contrary to church teaching and so yeah it's understandable to get frustrated about it but we have to remember yeah. who we as a church are married to and that's the person who died and rose, rose for our sake Yep. And so let's, I don't know, just have faith in that, I think. And then know that, that, like, that's what, that's why I'm Catholic. I'm not Catholic because of Pope Francis. I'm not Catholic because of Pope John Paul II. I'm Catholic mm-hmm. because of Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yep. And I think it's important, like, to, um, yeah, to recognize that, you know, if, if, if these things are frustrating you because you want yeah, like you, you want, want people to love the church goodness. and you want truth to exist and you want, you know, you want ultimately to like 
save the souls of those around you by bringing them into the Catholic church and showing them the beauty and, and goodness and, and truth of our church. Like that is coming from a good place mm-hmm, for um, sure. with good intentions. Um, and so, so like, don't despair be discouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Don't despair. Uh, I think the next important thing though is like to pray for Pope Francis, to pray for our mm-hmm. Pope, to pray for our bishops, like to pray for those who yeah are in and, and and our priests as well but especially yeah for our bishops and our leaders like those who are in you know the direct line of apostolic succession that mm-hmm. like we need to pray for them because the enemy is doing his very best to tear down the church wherever he can mm-hmm. um and yeah that happens through pope and now i also want to put into context like there have been worse popes oh yeah for sure there have been worse popes there have been popes who have had children out of wedlock um mm-hmm. and things like that and um but we just yeah like again we need to remember that like they're fallible men as well and they need prayers as much as we do um mm-hmm. and they need to be led you know we need to pray that they are led by the holy spirit as much as we ask the holy spirit to lead us mm-hmm. um and again we can't let it shake our faith when this happens um i think on the contrary quite honestly shouldn't be surprised we are all sinners like yeah yeah no i think like stuff like this is an opportunity to strengthen our faith you know in a weird way because it's like yeah i think it's it's one i think we we have these bad things happen or whatever not that this is like the worst thing ever but it's i think it's an unfortunate thing that's for sure um and you know when we could be upset about it and maybe that's like righteous upsetness i don't want to call it anger yet but you know yeah, that you see that concern and, and you want to, yeah. that's, that's disappointing. And so we can either stay there and be, be with that and be upset and then, you know, be tempted to like leave and stuff like that. Because that's the, that's the goal of the devil is that this is why that he wants us to leave the church. Um, or we can, you know, turn to prayer and then, you know, use this as an opportunity to go closer to God and, and an opportunity, opportunity to grow deeper in loving our church and grow deeper in the beauty of you know the the primacy of peter i suppose and and stuff yeah. and things like that and marriage too for that matter while while that's the topic so i don't know when stuff like this out happens i always think of like saint Catherine of siena it's just like my go-to but it's also just really cool because it's such a she's such a badass but anyway she is yeah because like and i don't know why it's so often forgotten too because she's she literally did something that we're called to do in these type of situations so saint Catherine of siena and this is like in the middle ages um, I don't know if she's Italian or whatever, French or whatever. But anyway, so at that time, the yeah, Pope wasn't, wasn't even living in Rome. He was living in France. And that might not sound important, but what that meant was is that he was more concerned with being a political figure in Europe and a you know, puppet of the French king than he was actually being the Pope and the head of the church. And so this was a great like issue. And so with a lot of prayer, a lot of devotion, and actually taking this seriously, she went to the Pope like in person and told him, Hey, you need to go back to Rome and you need to get out of this like secular political world and stuff like that. And actually be a, be the pastor of the church that God has given to the world and to you to, to take care of. And so, and yeah. that, and that, and through that, through that persistence and through her faith and through her not giving up and through her love of God and love of church that did happen. And so, and she, you know, so I think we're just, that's a good, huh? Today's what all souls day. Yesterday was all saints day. So that's a good yeah. way of, uh, St. Francis of Catholic, uh, St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us, I guess. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> pray for Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. And then I think lastly, the most important thing to remember is that, yes, we as men 
have our, I guess, okay, we as, as people have our free will, right? By men, I just meant humanity. Yeah. Um, yes, we do have our free will, but we have to remember that, like, everything happens through divine providence. Like, whether God directly wills something or whether He allows it to happen, His will is being done in every single moment. Um, yeah, and it's important to remember that, like, if this is happening, it's because God, you know, whenever something bad happens in the church, and sure, like, yeah, like, in this confusion, um, in this gray area of these of these remarks from, from Pope Francis, like, mm -hmm. we have to remember that, like, God is working through all of it, mm -hmm. um, and he will use it in a way. The more we pray, pray about it, and the way we pray, the more we pray for His will to be done, especially through our Pope. Um, you know, we can, <laughs> we can never err in praying for His will to be done. Yeah, exactly. Um, and submitting ourselves to it, and like <clears throat> letting it happen, and and taking joy in it, because that's like where we find Christian perfection. Like mm -hmm. that's why all the saints are saints, is because they did God's will. Mm -hmm um and yeah it's just important to remember too that like god can use anything to bring good out of it he can use any evil even the greatest evil that could ever be imagined mm -hmm. god would still be able to use that to bring about good yep and so i think it's just important to yeah just to contextualize all this as well like sure yes because of our times like it, it feels as if every every little thing like this every cause of confusion every time the media you know has a field day with with comments or some sort you know something that looks like it will finally put a death blow into the catholic church it's important to contextualize it all historically especially mm -hmm. because like the church is never going to fall no the church will never fail the gates of hell as christ said will never prevail mm -hmm. so so don't jump ship. So don't jump ship. <laughs> yeah, especially over just because the just because you don't like the captain, don't jump ship because God made the boat. Exactly. So yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, pray for Nick and I, especially Nick because he's in San Francisco. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, pray uh, for a, plug pray for, for our, a pope. Pray for our yeah. nation. Pray for a pope for sure. Pray for our nation for sure. Whether you're hearing this tomorrow, I want to, or I guess today now, November 3rd, I want to post this today if I can, probably in the afternoon, or uh, if you're hearing this in the future, definitely just don't, don't stop praying, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. Learn how to do that. Exactly. Invite God into every moment. That's yep. how you really do it. Nice. Great. Well, thanks for listening. Adios, friends. Oh, yeah. Were you going to plug something? No, that's, oh, you want me to plug it now? Oh, yeah, what are you plugging? Oh, just plugging the Instagram, casual. Oh, <laughs> Lol. oh yeah. Go follow us on Instagram. Send us an email. Like our stuff. Share it. Tell your friends. Indeed, yep. If you're a fan, if you're a fan of our podcast, tell all your friends to listen to it. And then, yeah. And remember, we still have our email, nickandrickpodcast at gmail.com. Any topics you want to hear, and you want to hear us speak about, I should say. But, you know. Any topics you want to hear, honestly, we might be able to find something, you know? Indeed. So, Pizza yeah. Winger review? Exactly. We need to get back into that. <laughs> cool. Mm -mm -mm. Great. Well, well, adios, kids. Adios, kids. <laughs>